Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you're all doing well and enjoying the very first week of summer. In today's episode, we are going to take a detailed look at the topic of happiness. And what we will cover are some of the various definitions that have been attributed to happiness alongside reasons why this concept is so elusive to many, the neurobiology, and then finally, a step-by-step approach to how we can begin to cultivate more happiness in our lives. So to start, I'm sure most of you have noticed at some point in your lives, the majority of the people of our world seem to be on this never ending pursuit of happiness, which has always been a very fascinating concept for me, because if we were to take a closer look for many people, the obsession with happiness speaks to their innermost state. And the reason why it's a never-ending pursuit is because people are either chasing after false promises of happiness that are often based in lack, or they are in fact not even on a pursuit to seek happiness, but actually on a pursuit to escape themselves. Now, the reason why happiness is difficult to define is because depending on the context, the definition can be very different. And since there isn't one universally accepted definition of happiness, it's a difficult concept to measure as well, because for each person, it can have an entirely different meaning. Now, the interesting part is for many years now, human beings have been distracted from the true meaning of happiness and being put on a false pursuit that really is a bottomless pit. And what makes things complicated is that the vast majority of human beings are living life with unaddressed and unrecognized wounds. So this means that everyone at some point in their lives has either gone through or is still struggling with self-acceptance, self-esteem, and self-love, among many other things. And what we see in our world today is industries preying on these inherent and deeply rooted weaknesses and persuading people that their happiness lies in everything external from them and on things that bring instant but short-lived pleasures. So one of the reasons most people can't find happiness is because collectively we have been fed the wrong definition. And if you guys remember back to episode one, I talked about the various aspects of self one of which I referred to as the soma or the physical body. And in that episode, I explained how this aspect of self is based in pleasures, feelings, and being in our senses. And I mentioned how being consumed by the needs of the physical body results in a life of addictions, pleasure seeking, and more importantly, a loss of true sense of self and identity. So in a consumer-based world, Because pleasure is something that shifts your focus towards the external world, seeking pleasure and developing addictions translates into buying more and being focused on feeding the physical body at the expense of the aspects of self that are involved in growth, evolution, and knowing who you are. 
and recognizing your divinity. So this is why we see such a massive rise in addictions to pornography, food, drugs, alcohol, modern technology, gambling, video games, and so on and so forth, because pleasure seeking keeps you enslaved to your senses. So let's get into some distinguishing factors and definitions to make more sense of this topic. So if we were to use a really basic dictionary definition, happiness would be defined as one of the primary emotions that is characterized by feelings of joy, contentment, and inner fulfillment. Now, pleasure, on the other hand, is a momentary feeling of satisfaction that involves the enjoyment of something external, and as a result, involves a positive, visceral experience of our senses. So this means pleasure is dependent on the five senses, including sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound, while happiness is independent of them. And because pleasure is dependent on something external like a substance, event, experience, or circumstance, it's often short-lived. And if you want constant pleasure, you have to constantly be feeding your body the thing that is creating the feeling of pleasure in the first place, which often includes food, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, a thrill, shopping, and so on and so forth. Now, because pleasurable experiences can give you a momentary good feeling, they can mimic happiness, but it's not actual happiness. So this is why most people mistake pleasure for happiness. And while pleasure is a temporary feeling, happiness is a state of being that is often accompanied by peace and calm, while pleasure is a high followed by a low. So in terms of imagery, pleasure would be a temporary spark and happiness would be a long standing flame. Now to use a specific example, in a, in a social setting, if you were to go out with a group of people and in that moment you feel good, but afterwards you feel depressed or anxious, that means that the experience was a pleasurable one. But if you were to hang out with a group of people where you feel good in the moment and the effects of it carry on into the next few days, then you experience happiness because happiness comes through our higher faculties rather than our lower, lower faculties where we experience physical pleasure. Now, what I wanted to do for you guys is give you a few different examples of various definitions of happiness by different scholars, just to give you an idea of where some of these concepts might be coming from. So according to Aristotle, happiness is not pleasure, nor is it virtue. It is the exercise of virtue. So Aristotle believed that happiness is the activity of the soul in accordance with virtue, while pleasure is a side product of activity. So Aristotle stated that pleasure results from activity without hindrance and he also refers to there being levels of happiness where there is happiness in material objects happiness through ego gratification happiness from doing good and then ultimate happiness now john butler yates on the other hand states that happiness is neither virtue nor pleasure it's not this thing nor that, but simply growth. And he believes that we are happy when we are growing. And the final perspective that I want to share with you guys is from The Alchemy of Happiness by the author Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali, who states that he who knows himself is truly happy. So true happiness from his perspective is the transformation of self. 
And through that, the realization that you are a spiritual being and that you have a heart that at its core is absolutely perfect, but throughout life may have become tainted by the accumulation of the body's animalistic desires. So because of this, humans have the capacity to be reduced to a primitive animal form that is mainly focused on the pleasures of the physical body instead of rising through the ascension of the spiritual self towards true happiness. Now, going back to this whole idea of pleasure being based on external circumstances or substances, if you guys were to reflect back during the beginning stages of the pandemic, when most things were no longer accessible, including going out to restaurants, on vacations, sporting events, or various other activities, a huge subset of people completely lost themselves and went into a deep state of depression. And no one thought to ask, how fragile our society is that when the external things are taken away and all people have left is themselves, their entire idea of existence is shattered. And to further build on this whole idea of pleasure seeking and eventual addictions in our world today, people's threshold for happiness is completely off because most people have learned to live such complicated and elaborate lives. And when you look in particular onto social media, you see these influencers on online that are living such extravagant and unrealistic lifestyles. And you as a normal human being living a normal life, feel like anything you do is not enough because your baseline for comparison is something that's completely abnormal. And the craziest part is that it's your energy that's fueling the lives and success of these so-called influencers because majority of these people are famous because of your attention, likes, and focus. And not a single person has thought about what their life would look like if they were to turn that focus around onto themselves. And it's really sad because People don't even support their own friends and family at the same level that they support these complete strangers. And everyone wonders why there's such a rise in disconnection and unhappiness. And what complicates things even more is that people have become so distracted with the false pursuit of happiness that if we were to look around, we would see that most people are just rushing to check things off a checklist out of fear of falling behind or thinking that it's always the next thing that will bring them this happiness that they so desperately seek. So instead of looking into themselves and contemplating the bigger decisions in life, people are too distracted with the idea that they are already behind from the next person. And so what do they do? They settle into mediocre relationships. They rush into having children. They rush into the next checkpoint. And what are they left with at the end? A deeper sense of void and dissatisfaction because they did all the things they thought were going to make them happy and there's nothing left to check off. And that feeling of emptiness and void is still there and it's felt even more deeply. So now let's think about this for a moment. Let's say that you get the very thing that you think will bring you happiness. And then when you get it, it's either feels very anticlimactic. So at this point, the very thing that you desperately wanted is finally here, but the happiness you thought it would bring you either doesn't arrive or it doesn't. It's very short lived and fleeting. So this shows you that it's not an external thing that brings you fulfillment because if it was, why are all these people who have jumped through all the hoops in life still miserable? So then maybe happiness isn't about collecting, but more about your response to life and your ability to cultivate happiness and abundance from within, regardless of what you actually physically possess. And I'm highlighting this point because 
We have more resources and more accessibility than ever before, but over and over we see massive rises in affective disorders, including depression, postpartum depression, anxiety, suicide, divorce, single parenting, and people don't wonder how any of this is even possible. Now, with all of that in mind, let's take a closer look at the neurobiology of happiness before we take a more mindful approach in terms of establishing a healthy relationship around this whole idea of happiness. So in terms of neurobiology, there's actually a lot of research in the field, but in particular, Dr. Lustig, actually, his work focuses a lot on sugar addictions, and he makes various distinctions among pleasure and happiness. And in terms of neurobiology in particular, simply put, he says that pleasure equals dopamine and happiness equals serotonin. Now, I find this to be a very masculine way of looking at the biochemistry of the body because emotions aren't just one hormone. They are a symphony of chemicals within the body and each chemical is dynamic in nature. So dopamine isn't just addiction and serotonin isn't just happiness. So with that in mind, I want to cover a more holistic approach to the neurobiology of happiness. So just as an overview, neurotransmitters are chemical messengers within the body, primarily produced in the brain, that send various signals of communication between brain cells called neurons. So let's cover some of the neurotransmitters involved in happiness. So let's start off with dopamine. Dopamine is responsible for pleasurable reward, addiction, motivation, arousal, and decision-making, among many other things. Dopamine allows you to think strategically and to problem solve. Low dopamine levels result in loss of energy, depression, guilt, hopelessness, stress intolerance, social isolation, procrastination, impulsive behavior, and poor concentration, while increased levels of dopamine are associated with positive mood. So just with that, you can see how dynamic this neurotransmitter actually is, and it's not just linked to addiction. Serotonin, on the other hand, mediates satisfaction, happiness, and optimism. It regulates rest, cravings, memory, mood, appetite, learning, and it makes us resistant to depression and anxiety. And most antidepressants are a class of drugs called SSRIs, which are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and they act by blocking serotonin receptors so that more amounts of serotonin are available to the brain cells so that they can contribute to this overall feelings of optimism and happiness. Norepinephrine is another neurotransmitter associated with happiness and actually another class of antidepressants is based on this neurotransmitter as well called the selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors which also induce positive emotional perception and furthermore norepinephrine also functions by facilitating the release of other neurotransmitters that impact our level of calmness as well. Endorphins are also studied widely in happiness and they are endogenous opioid peptides, which means that they are made inside the body and play a direct role in pain regulation. So they're often released during continuous exercise, fear, love, music, laughter, and sex. And increased levels of endorphins inhibit pain in the body while lower levels inhibit positive feelings. Oxytocin is also involved with happiness in that it facilitates relationships with others. And since we know that social connection is an important factor in many people's level of happiness, oxytocin contributes to happiness through facilitating social relationships. 
And finally, two other hormones involved in happiness are cortisol and adrenaline. And what's been shown in various studies is that individuals with higher levels of personal growth and purpose in life have lower and more stable levels of salivary cortisol and urinary adrenaline. So just with that, you can see the intricate connection between various hormones and neurotransmitters and how each of them contribute to happiness in a different way. So with that, let's cover some of the ways in which you can begin to cultivate true happiness into your life. So since I talked in length about the difference between happiness and pleasure, the first step towards achieving true happiness is to define what happiness means for you. What does it look like to be happy? Because having clarity and meaning in your definition of happiness can make your path towards the pursuit of it that much more clear. Because one of the root causes of unhappiness for many is actually uncertainty which includes uncertainty about self, the world, life's meaning, and even other people. Because not being sure on where you stand in life creates a lot of instability, which can contribute to or exasperate unhappiness. So gaining clarity on the things you are passionate about and that give meaning and purpose to your life is a great first step. The second step is taking inspired action. This is a big one because most people will have an idea or inspiration regarding where their happiness stems from, but they don't necessarily act on it. So an inspiration without action is like a plant that doesn't get water. So you need to take action on the things that inspire you in order for them to flourish into something more. So inspired action is important in all aspects of life, but in particular, when it comes to happiness as a starting step, what you can do is make a list of the simple joys that ignite a sense of happiness in your life, which can include various relationships, activities, or hobbies. And each day you can begin to take inspired action on at least one thing on your list in order to generate more happiness and inspiration into your life. The third step in cultivating happiness is letting go of judgment and expectations, which are two things that rob a lot of people of joy because they keep you trapped in ego mindset where your happiness is either in constant comparison to others, or you are relying on others as a source of your happiness. And this happens far too often with social media where you may log on and uh, image by image, you're subconsciously judging others and yourself. And before you know it, you're left feeling miserable and you can't really understand why. So what you can do is go into the next experience with the clear intention that you are not going to judge anything or anyone. So pick one experience a day and work your way up. And so if you choose social media, for example, before you open an app, make the declaration that you are not going to judge at all and begin to observe and see how you interact with each post. So stay in a a state of non-attachment as much as possible and catch yourself as you slip into judgment because non-judgment, just like anything else is a muscle that needs to be strengthened. So, so that it becomes your default. And on that whole, on the whole note of expectations, I don't mean tolerate disrespect. I simply mean stop anticipating certain types of behavior from others. The more you expect from others, the more you are setting yourself up for disappointment because most people are stuck in their own bubble without much awareness of how their actions are impacting your life. So free yourself from the expectation 
expectations that you have around others and allow things to unfold as they may. The fourth step is enhancing your knowledge. One reason why so many distractions exist in our world is to prevent you from gaining deep insight and understanding truths. Because if there is a hierarchy of knowledge, this allows for power dynamics where majority of the people of our world become trapped in mass ignorance and only a small subset of the population have access to occult knowledge. And knowledge is quite literally power because if universal knowledge is understood and applied correctly, it is your ultimate personal power. And power means what? You can't be controlled or told who you are or who you should be. So knowledge is your gateway to happiness in that it sets you free from confinement, social conditioning, outdated beliefs, and enslavement to life's circumstances. The fifth step And the most important step, in my opinion, towards happiness is connecting with your internal source of happiness and something that makes you feel alive and thriving. And this often happens through connecting to your spirit, because if you were to look closely, the key difference between happiness and pleasure is that happiness involves depth, meaning, purpose, and an overall feeling of expansion within each experience. And since spirituality is rooted in meaning and growth, the pursuit of your spirituality becomes your access point to true happiness and contentment. But the tragedy of our current lives is that we have become so distracted by physical things and pleasures that we have lost the ability to see the unseen. And there was a study done in 1991 titled The Effects of Prayer and Prayer Experiences on Measures of General Well-Being. And that study showed that those who frequently pray and have a close relationship with God have high levels of life satisfaction, existential well-being, and overall happiness. And why spiritual progress is so crucial for happiness is that one of the most important journeys you can take in life is the journey of your soul's ascension back to purity and divinity. And I say back because the soul existed long before the body and it at its core, the soul is pure. And the journey on earth is the remembering of your essence by unraveling learned behavior, disentangling from the ego and so on and so forth. So from a spiritual perspective, Many believe that only a few people have attained ultimate or supreme happiness, which essentially comes down to the ecstasy of union with the divine. The sixth and final step in seeking happiness is actually to stop seeking it in the first place and to reframe your mindset to instead seek wholeness. Because what gives meaning to life is both contrast and polarity. We know one thing as it relates to another. We can define day because we have night. We know up in comparison to down. So life on earth is something to be experienced. We are here to experience all that life has to offer, including loss, new beginnings, love, connection, pain, growth, frustration, failure, and even happiness. And most importantly, life is about growth and evolution. And every positive or negative experience is there to help you heal and contribute to your wholeness. So life is about living through each experience and not being afraid of feeling. It's about gaining the confidence to know that you are capable of overcoming the inevitable challenges that you face in life. So saying that you only want to experience happiness is like saying that you only want 
to experience day and never experience night when in fact it is during nighttime that we rest and solitude takes place and regeneration takes place. So we can't be afraid of the dark because we don't understand its purpose or its meaning. So being only happy is like eating the same meal for the rest of your life and missing out on the flavor of life. And most importantly, we don't learn through happiness. Unfortunately, we learn through pain of separation and loss. So we cannot expect a full and rich life if we are only open to one dimension or aspect of it. So with all of that in mind, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is, what does happiness mean to me? Prompt number two, in what moment of life have I experienced a feeling of true happiness? And prompt number three, what is one thing that is blocking me from being happy? All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul podcast. In retrospect, I'm realizing that this week's topic was very information dense. I honestly did contemplate breaking it up into two parts and maybe focusing one section on all the contributing factors that take away from happiness and then steps in terms of cultivating it. But I thought that I might just introduce the topic with beginning steps and see how you guys resonate with it. And if it's something that you really maybe want to hear more about, and then we can take it from there. So just take this as an introductory level. Feel free to listen to it as many times as you need. And like always, if you have a friend or family member that you think might resonate from this week's topic, feel free to share it with them. So until next time, I wish you guys a beautiful rest of your week, and I will connect with you in a future episode.